Matthew 9, 1 to 13. So he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Just then, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said among themselves, he is blaspheming. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, why are they thinking evil thought? Why are you thinking evil thoughts in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But say so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And he got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at a table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks, Rob. Hello, everybody. Uh, keep your Bibles open. We'll uh, keep thinking about uh, what God has to say to us uh, through this part of Matthew. Let me just uh, ask him to help us and uh, do whatever you need to help you listen. Some of you have to take notes. Some of you have to move away from people. Uh, some of you have to open your Bibles. Some of you have to close them, but do whatever you have to do uh, to listen uh, to what God has to say to us tonight. Let me just pray, and then let's start. Our loving Heavenly Father, again, we uh, thank you that you're a God who speaks. We just pray that you would speak to us now through your word, that uh, you would give me the right words to say so they're your words and not my words. Uh, but most of all, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear so that we would listen to what you say and trust it and obey it and apply it to our lives because you are good. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, I never know how to say this in a nice way, so I'll just say it. Uh, that is, um, uh, as a minister, I have some funny experiences one of the funny experiences that I have is that most people um, are on their best behaviour when they're around me. And so they pretend to be better than they are. You know, so the P's and Q's disappear. You know, they've just, they just got to control themselves just while they're near me. And uh, which is interesting and not so interesting at many levels. I could tell you some funny stories, but I won't. Um, <laughs> when people have hung themselves for different reasons. But, but you, know, you know, most people do. So when people actually say what they think around me, I can get really shocked because most people are spending their time trying to hide who they really are from me. They want me to pretend, they want to pretend, make, want me to get the idea that they're so good that God would probably let them into heaven without whatever they've done or they never do anything wrong or they're so in control of their lives. That's what they want me I'm, talking, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about other people, of course. And, you know, you know, and, you know, they're not... And, and, and so when someone actually, like someone said with me the other day, someone said something extremely rude about another person. And I was actually shocked because most people hide that from me. 
Now, I know that we all think rude things about others. I know we say rude things about others, but not to me. And so I think, wow, that you would have your guard so down or you so forgot who you were talking to that you would be so rude about another person. Now, I know that what's happening if we are people who know and love the Lord Jesus, that we've got this terrible dilemma. That is, we're trying to love people and we're trying to tell them the truth. And it's really hard to balance it. Because if you say the truth, it can feel unloving. But if we're loving and we don't tell them the truth, they can think that we're agreeing with what they're saying or what they're doing. And so we have this dilemma of balancing truth and love because we've got to tell them the truth and yet we've got to love them. And what God will say in the end is you can't separate truth and love, as you'll see in our value series when we get there. And so what am I building up to? What I'm building up to is for us to understand is God doesn't want us to pretend if we follow him and know him and love him. But what should be happening as we spend time with Jesus, as we get to know him, as we hang around his people, is that our language will more and more be absolutely compassionate. It will always be caring about the person we're with. We will not put people down even if they deserve it. We're going to control ourselves. We're going to say something that helps them with Jesus. We're going to try and build them up. We're not going to be critical. We're not going to put down. We're going to try and fix things. We're going to say things to help, but we're not going to pull down. We're going to have build-up words and compassionate words. And one of the shocks is, or one of the things that we come to terms with, the more you read your Bible, the more you listen to Jesus, what you will come into terms with is his unbelievable compassion for whoever he's with, even his enemies. The one who says, turn the other cheek. The one who says, I lay down my life for my enemies. Whatever he said was for the other person's good, even when they were hating his guts. And you see, what what God's wanting to happen to us is he's trying to grow us through forgiveness, through sanctification, through changing us, so that we are compassionate people who are always trying to build up whoever we're with, with Jesus. Come again with me to the Bible as we look at Jesus And we see his authority, we see his compassion, but we need to hear his call on our lives. And we're going to think and put that all together. And so uh, what we do is we come to a story we're very familiar with. We've got two stories. The first one is one, anyone who's been hanging around for a church for a while, you've all heard about the mate, the four guys who bring their mate on the the paralytic guy and they lower him down through a roof. We've heard it a million times. Uh, When you get to uh, Matthew's version of it here, you'll notice that he just leaves all that out, really. He doesn't hardly tell you anything at all. You go to Mark or one of the other ones, there's all the other details that you're so familiar with. But here, he hardly says anything at all as he introduces us to the paralytic. And he just basically, the paralytic turns up. We're not told that they pulled the roof apart and dropped him down. He just is suddenly there. But we know that whole story. And and Jesus just sees him in verse uh, 2 and just says, well, have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. You see, 
Matthew, God, through Matthew, wants us to be looking at Jesus and looking at his authority to forgive sins. That's where he doesn't want us to muck around with the other stuff, doesn't want us to ask those questions much, doesn't want us to know about it. He just wants to go, look at what Jesus can say and what Jesus can do. Look at it and take note of what he can do. Don't you miss this. It's so important for you to see that this bloke's biggest problem is not that he can't walk. His biggest problem is his sins are unforgiven. And if his sins are unforgiven, he is not going to go to heaven. And that is the thing that should be breaking your heart and you should be absolutely desperate about as you look at people because if their sins are not forgiven, when they die, they will not be with God forever. They will be in hell forever. And so he wants us to see in this story, this guy needs his sins forgiven more than anything else. And what he wants us to see is you and I need to understand and never forget that our greatest need is not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not health. It's not a job. It's not enough money to survive. It's not all those things that are important to us. Good things are important. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to have your sins forgiven over everything else. Nothing else will matter in eternity. Nothing else will matter in 5,000 years. Nothing else will matter in 10,000 years. Nothing will matter in 100,000 years. Nothing's going to matter in eternity if your sins aren't forgiven. And, and we can get down here. We think, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But what Jesus wants to say is there's nothing more important. You might have just wandered in here. You might be here all the time. You might think it's a guide. <laughs> nothing more important than having your sins forgiven. And there's only one place you can get it. Only one place that God has provided. Only one thing that really matters. Not a game. There's one place. And, well, he says it right in front of the Pharisees. Right in front of enemies. He's saying it in front of his enemies because he cares for his enemies. He wants them to hear. He wants them to understand. And he wants us to come to terms with a very important thing. He knows because he's God, God the Son, he knows what they're thinking. They're thinking he's blaspheming. Now, I don't know if you have a definition in your head for blaspheming, but let me give you one. You dirty, rotten, filthy liar about God. That's what blasphemy means. Someone says they're blasphemy. You stinking liar about God. The religious leaders, the guy, they think, they're sitting there thinking when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, you dirty, rotten, filthy liar about God. You got the definition? Jesus doesn't um, take that on. He doesn't deny that only God can forgive sins. Uh, so what he does... Uh, is he says, well, well, let me give you a little bit of proof. Let me try and help you with that. Um, uh, and so he says to them, verse 4, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts for which is easy to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, get up, take up your mat and go home. And he got up. He says their thoughts are evil. Do you understand the difference between evil and wrong? 
You can have wrong thoughts about God. We've got to learn. We've all got wrong thoughts. I've got wrong thoughts. We've got to come to the Bible and learn and get right thoughts. That's, that's what God's about. He's about shaping our thinking. And we all have wrong thoughts. You can be wrong till you learn. Evil thoughts is you're against it no matter what. When he says that the Pharisees are having evil thoughts, that is, they are in opposition to Jesus and no matter what he says, we'll convince them. I've already made up my mind, I'm not going to listen tonight. You might 